Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Paul is going to start chapter 16 talking about don't ever forget to be generous. And I just think it's interesting that as he closes the letter, he just says, hey, there's some things I want to remind you of. And, and this is one of them. So really chapter 16 is like a postscript. You ever finish a letter and then P.S. and you add a few more things that you think are important. Well, that's what chapter 16 is. And I just want to make sure the record shows today, we're finishing a book we started. That doesn't happen a lot. I mean, when I taught seminary, I rarely, I was known as the one who uh, would start the book but not finish the book. So I am so glad to say we are finishing this book. And it's a great finish, by the way. Chapter 16 is incredible, but let me take you to give you a backdrop. I think the letter actually ends in chapter 15. And he puts a, a, a great word in there just kind of as a benediction. But then he comes back and says, okay, let me remind you of some things. But let me remind you of 15. In chapter 15, Danny talked about the first half, and it's about the resurrection and, and that Jesus Christ walked out of the grave, bodily resurrection. And because he is and was bodily resurrected, so will we. And so we have, of all people, the greatest reason to sing. Guys, it is the most unbelievable hope that you could have. He is with us in this life. He will never leave us in this life. And by the way, when this life is done, he's got something that is far greater than anything we have ever lived. And so he just basically ends the letter with some of, let's put the diagram up. Uh, Yes, we're going to be living forever. It will be same but different. In other words, we're going to look the same. We're going to know each other. But there's going to be a difference. Perishable is going to put on imperishable. For those of you that maybe not sure what that word means, that word means decay. Let me put it this way. You'll never hear the word cancer again. You'll never hear the word Alzheimer's again. You'll never hear any sickness. Can we give thanks to the Lord just for that? He will defeat all sickness. My father-in-law, you know, is a doctor, and I told him one time, I said, man, you're going to be out of work. And he looked at me and said, so will you. I said, "Ah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) You won't need me and won't need you. But won't that be awesome? I remember the day my dad called me. He said, David, I need you to come over to the house. I said, what's up? He said, there, there's a woman here, and she's claiming to be your mom. I said, well, it's probably mom. He goes, no, it's not. Man, deep in my heart I knew this is the beginning where he began to fade. I, I was working on the house one time and I was wiring in a light out over the driveway because we had a basketball goal and I wanted to be able to play against my family at night. I could always win in the dark, but once we got that light, it was going to be a, a whole new game. So I was wiring this three-way switch in and he's an incredible gifted builder and electrician and 
I'm on the ladder, and I said, okay, Dad, I got that wire. All right, now, which, how, which two do I connect in order to make the switches all work together? And he looks up there, and he goes, I don't know. I said, Dad, you know this. You, you built how many houses? He goes, I'm sorry, David, I, I don't know. Whenever you've had somebody that you've watched die of cancer, You've watched die of whatever illness it was when you realize that one day there will be no death. Man, that's hope. Mortal, immortality, you know what that means? I'll make it real simple. You'll never have to say goodbye again. Some of the most incredible moments I've ever seen, heartbreaking when people had to say goodbye to someone they loved dearly because they would lost. We'll never have to say goodbye again. We'll be together forever. Natural body becomes spiritual body. All of that could be summed up in the word glorious. So in other words, he finishes chapter 15 and says, guys, it's going to be incredible. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that whatever you do for the Lord is not in vain. And that would have been a great place to end it. But then you look in chapter 16. But everything he says in 16 is based upon the truths of chapter 1 through 15. This is an incredible letter. I am so honored we got to walk through this together. And some of you have been there from the beginning. When we start, when we start this? 2018? I don't know. <laughs> when was it? It's been a while. But in chapter 16, as he closes, there are three ideas. He builds them around three things. He said, hey, by the way, there are three things. You know how when you do with your kids, hey, don't forget. And you try to mention the things you think are most important, so does he. Three things. Let me put them up here. Generosity. Don't ever forget to be generous. Why? Because remember what he's done for you. Perseverance. Don't quit. You know why? Because you got people who love you and people who are there for you. And he'll name some names in, it, in, that, letter, in that chapter. And then the last thing, don't ever forget, love matters more than anything. So with that said, I want you to open your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now, as we read this, the context, and, and there are going to be people in here we don't know, and places maybe that are, you're a little unsure of. That's okay. you got to remember, Andrew Wilson said one time, this letter was written for us. It wasn't written to us. Does that make sense? It, it was a letter written to real people. I don't know what your view of the Bible is, but my view of the Bible is it's real. There were people who lived this, and they walked on this earth, and, 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 and our gospel has dirt between its toes. I mean, it's, it's, it's real. And so he's talking about real things and real people and, and what was happening in a city known as Corinth. Can I just extend an invitation to you? We, as you know, try to travel to Israel as, as often as, as we think is feasible, and we had a trip planned, and, and my goodness, it all changed when the war and the attack happened. And so we've been just kind of thinking, what do we do? And, and the Lord always has a way of bringing up opportunities. There was an opportunity that came up on a, on a cruise line that I've never actually been on. It's Celebrity. And it was a cruise that they built 
for those who want to travel the places Paul was. So the dates they gave us, July 10 through 22. And it's an opportunity to start off in Rome and to end in Athens and to spend one day in Corinth. One day. Usually we only have, only been there once, and we only had a couple hours. One day to stand in that place and look around and to see what Paul saw. Some of it's still there. To feel what he felt. If any of you have any interest at all in being a part of that or even looking into possibly going, it's in the summer. If you wanted to take kids, you could. Danny's going to meet right after this service. There'll be people out in the hallways that have a sign. The interest meeting is what we're calling it. But I, I extend that for this reason. If you ever get a chance to go and stand where Paul stood or to be where Paul was, like in Athens, we'll stand on the spot where he said, in him we move and live and have our being. And he is the God you've been looking for. That beautiful sermon in Acts 17, we know right where he was when he preached it. If you ever get a chance to go, I encourage you to go for this reason. I want you to know this is not a book of fairy tales about a place that doesn't exist. It is the gospel that happened on this earth. For you, for me, it's what happened. He came. Paul lived with us and among us, literally. And so as he's writing to these people, he's talking about things that he says, I think this is, it matters, so if I don't ever get to see you again, remember, be generous, persevere, and above all love. Let's start verse 1, chapter 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, <clears throat> so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, that would be today, Sunday was the first day of the week, each of you is to put, up some, put something aside and store it up. As he may prosper, two meanings. One is, because you've been blessed. The other meaning, so you will be blessed. And if you ask me, well, which one is it? I'd say yes. Believe me, if you're never generous, you'll never experience the full generosity that God wants to give you. It is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. So he said, set it aside so that there will be no collecting when I come. When I arrive, I will send those with whom you credit a credit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, I will accompany them or they'll go with me. So basically, he opens it by saying, hey, don't forget about those that we're trying to help, and just remember to be generous. Did you know that he's asking them to be generous to people they've never met in a place they've never been? They were back in Jerusalem, the people that needed the help. Corinth is a long way from Jerusalem. It's a long way. But isn't that the way our giving is? Fostering our future is one of the greatest ministries that we get to partner with, but we may never meet the children that are, their life is changed by that. We may never meet the couples that are going to be helped to, a, to foster and then to adopt. We may not ever get to see it or know about them, but that's okay. We don't give because we know Him. We give because we know Him. And God called us to be generous people, and he called us to bless, even though we may not know who it is. And that's why every time we stand and talk about giving here, 
yeah, it may be a project that you're not aware of or people that are halfway around the world that may hear the gospel for the first time and you go, well, I've never been there. I don't know them. You don't have to. He knows them. He knows every child that will be helped. And God wants his people to be generous. So the first thing, be generous. You know how he ended the letter he wrote to the Ephesians? He didn't include it in the letter. He actually told them face to face. We have a moment in the life of Paul when he wanted to see that church and the leaders, but he only had time to meet them at the beach. All right? So in Miletus, which was where the ships came in, he met the elders of the church in Ephesus. Look at the last thing he told them. And all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Last thing you talked to him about was be generous. I just think it matters. So, P.S., be generous. Second thing, persevere. Don't quit. You got people all around you who love you. You got people who care. And we're about to meet some names, okay? So jump back in with me. Verse 5, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go, for I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend time with you. If the Lord permits, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide open door of effective work is open, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he's doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I'm expecting him with the brothers. Now, concerning your brother or our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you and with the other brothers. But it wasn't at all his will to come now. He will come when he has the opportunity. And then these two verses. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Then he goes back to the people. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. They probably were the first converts in Corinth. That's Achaia, that whole area. And that they've devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to those as these. And to every fellow worker in labor, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunaeus and Achaeus because they've made up for you in your absence. For they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. In other words, don't quit you got people all around you. God has people in our life. And when you see Paul go into that and starts talking about people, just know he's reminding us we're never alone. Never. Look at the church. I mean, the church is one example, but in this case, they had people all over literally the known world at the time. And he said, they encourage you. They refreshed me. Beautiful word means they breathe life into me. And then right in the middle of that, he has these two verses. He says, be strong. Be alert. Five commands. Okay, so I want us to look at verse 13. 
Go back to verse 13 in, in, in whatever it is, your phone or you've got a Bible open. Look at it. There are five commands. They're only, the only imperatives in this, and there's five of them. And so why does this verse oddly occur right in the middle of all these names and places and people? It's almost as if he's saying this is the way you don't quit. This is the way you stay in the faith. This is the way you persevere. And the first one is, wake up, be watchful. That is repeated 22 times in the New Testament, be watchful. What does it mean? It, some say, be sober. Some versions say, be sober. It just means be alert. Look around and be on guard. And I'll give you probably my best answer to you. If you said, why were they so concerned about being watchful? This is what I would say. Peter said it this way, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Church, we have an enemy. We have an adversary. And it's not the Republicans. And it's not the Democrats. And it's not whoever's in the White House. It is an adversary you can't see. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle with principalities and powers. I think maybe the church just needs to wake up and realize Satan is alive and well, and he's going after you. He's going after our children. He's going after everything that we have in the name of Jesus. But be encouraged. You know why? I know one who is greater. I know one who is greater. And that roaring lion... You know why lions roar? Intimidate. To make you shake in your boots. He roars because he knows there's another lion on the prowl. He is the lion of Judah. And he will defeat this enemy, this adversary. So church, be awake. Just realize it's not like every day you're in fear. No, no, no. Just every day put on the armor of God. Every day, just get ready because I know he's coming after you. And here's what he's going to do. He's not going to come at you and say, hey, you need to deny Jesus ever lived. And No, no, no. Most of us are too grounded for that. Here's what he'll say. Hey, it's no big deal. Yeah, it's no big deal. Just go to church on Sunday and you're all good. He will come with all kind of ways because he's subtle. And he will make you think it's not a big deal and you don't have to get radical in the way you live. And just, you know, do what all your friends do and you'll be fine. That's what he does. And I'm just so thankful. How many of you saw Tarzan movies when you were growing up? That, I'll date myself. Yeah, some of us who are older. Man, I love Tarzan. There was always one thing about Tarzan. They only had a line in there. They had a line coming out, and he'd be roaring. He'd be all bristled up and prancing around. And you'd just sit there going, just keep roaring. Do your thing, line, because somebody's about to come and tear you up. And in would come Tarzan. And he would defeat the lion. I saw it over and over and over. And you know what? I never got tired of it because I knew that Tarzan was going to defeat that lion. Can I just make an announcement today? The devil's on the prowl. He's out there roaring. But somebody is coming and somebody is here and they will defeat him every time. Church, wake up. Be 
comfortable. It's okay. You don't have to be afraid. And then the third thing, or second thing, he says, stand firm. Stand firm what? In your faith. Just plant your feet in what you know is truth. And I don't think you find it on social media. I think you find it in a book that we open every weekend called The Word of God. This is truth. Now, let me put it in a a context. The Germans were here. I told you that. So they're standing over there with me doing an interview after the third service. And they looked at me and said, so uh, why do you believe the things you believe? Because we talked about some issues and all that. And they said, why do you believe those, the things the way you do? And I said, well, because I, I have a source of truth. And I looked at them. I looked at the main guy, really nice people, very nice. I said, so what's your source of truth? And he goes, well, uh, I don't know. I really hadn't thought about that. I guess I just think, you know, whatever makes the most sense. You know, Germans, that's where rationalism came from. And so Germans are very rational. By the way, I commended them on their trains. If you've ever been to Germany, their trains are on time. If it says it's going to leave at 8.51, don't get there at 8.52. Here, it doesn't matter as much, but very much. And they said, well, it's not like that anymore. I said, oh, my, we've influenced you. That's not good. They're very rational. He said, I kind of depend on my reason and my rationale. He said, what's your source of truth? There was a Bible over there, and I held it up. I said, I don't trust me. I mean, I like to think I can reason, and I have rationable rationale skills, but I trust this book. And I will trust this book till the day I die, and this church is built on this, and we will till the day this thing closes because Jesus comes. We will teach the truth of this word. I said, now, we sometimes differ in how we understand it. But one thing that's not up for debate, is the Bible true? Yes, it is. Is it a place to plant your feet? Yes, it is. In fact, I'll plant mine in concrete on this book for the rest of my life. Stand firm. So, when you have other ideas coming, as I had two members this week call me about people, teachers, and they said, hey, I saw this guy, and I'm not sure. What do you think about him? One of them we checked out, and it was like, oh, I don't know that I would follow that because it doesn't match at all what this is. Stand firm in your faith. Don't be shaken. And then he says, be mature. Did y'all see the be the man part? Act like a man. Let me go back to the text. I I figured a lot of the ladies saw that and kind of got a little upset. Act like men. That word for man is never used anywhere else in the New Testament. It's not a gender issue here. Hear me. It's not about gender. It's about act like who you are. His child. His creation. Be mature. It is a word that when the Greeks translated the Old Testament, it's called the Septuagint, okay? It's just a big word for 70. They translated This word was used in the Old Testament when they translated it into into Greek. You know where this word occurs? In Joshua chapter 1, when Joshua is going over, about to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, the Lord looks at him and says, be strong and be courageous. This is the word, courageous. This just means know who you are and don't be afraid. 
be courageous. As the days go, man, the world wants to put fear in us. But remember, your Heavenly Father said, fear not. Fear not. Be strong. Be courageous. And then he literally says, be strong. How do you stand in your strength? Nope. In the name of the Lord. In the strength of the Lord. Be strong. And then the last thing he said above all, love. He says, actually, I like the way he says it. Verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. Which brings me to the third word. If I could paint the picture of three ideas in the P.S., don't forget these. Generosity, perseverance, and the last one, love. And when we read the final words of this chapter, two great moments. One is, it's the final words of a book. We studied the whole book. Number two, it's what Paul wanted you to never forget. I'm reading verse 19. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. We'll come back to that one. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord come. That's Maranatha. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all. In Christ Jesus, amen. And that's the end of the letter. He closes with love. And how does he say, express it? Greet one another with what? A holy kiss. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all been in a church lately that you got greeted with a holy kiss? How many of you grew up in a church? Anybody in here have any background in a church that did practice this just like it sounds? Greet one another with a holy kiss. Anybody? Pentecostal churches a lot of times do. Any others? I only know of a few. I went to one of them one time with Rachel because the, the, the minister had invited us. And um, while he was standing at the door and kissing everybody going out, Rachel looked at me and said, uh-uh, that ain't happening. <laughs> She said, I'm getting behind you. You're going to be my shield. So what is, what is Paul thinking? Five times in the New Testament, the church is told to greet one another with a holy kiss. Five times. Now, if it was a one-off, I'd say it's no big deal. But five times? So there's something going on. In fact, Simon Peter, of all people, Peter, when he wrote, he doesn't call it, Holy kiss, look what he calls it. Greet one another with the kiss of love. The point is, demonstrate your love for one another when you greet one another. I, I, I mean, I've thought about a ministry we want to start here called the kissing ministry. Danny's going to lead it, but he's, he's not here. <laughs> After he heard me say it this morning, 830, he left. He's gone. <laughs> But, I mean, I don't know that that's what, we, what it means, that we have to really literally start doing that. I certainly am not opposed if that's something that you feel comfortable with and it's appropriate. But I think there's a, another way to do it. When we greet one another, do we really love each other? 
Do, do we really demonstrate that? A handshake can do that sometimes. Just putting your arm around somebody can do that sometimes. In fact, sometimes you just look them in the eye and say, man, I'm so glad to see you today. And I want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. I just know this. Paul said, don't ever take for granted how important it is to love one another. Love. And he closes the letter, my love be with you all. In Christ Jesus. So, it's one of the prayers I've always had that our church would be like that. We could easily say, we never forget generosity. We persevere. We don't change according to the times. We will stay strong in the faith. And then the last thing is that we will demonstrate love to a community who needs love. So, last fall, last September, I got a letter, an email actually. Uh, from a family, and it was a long email. It was incredible. And I reread it yet uh, this week, and I asked permission from uh, the, the family that wrote it if I could share just a little bit of it. And I want you to listen to what they wrote. It is my firm belief that the love of Christ is most tangibly expressed through acts of compassion, through selfless giving. As I embark on this journey of giving back, I'm reminded of the words of Paul, and he quotes Acts 20, 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. May this letter serve as an acknowledgement of the profound impact First Baptist Orlando has had on my life. I am eternally grateful for the love, support, and spiritual nourishment I've received from this church. It is my sincere hope and prayer that others may experience the transformative power of God's love through the ministry. First Baptist Orlando. And I read that. I kept that, that when it came because everybody needs to keep a file, either paper file or electronically called your encouragement file. Because there are going to be days you need to take a look at it. And this week I was just looking at it because I was intrigued with this passage. And when I read it, I said, God, that's how I want to be known here is a church that truly cares. And so, for some of you in this room, you're maybe not a member of this church. You're not connected to this church. I want to encourage you. I, it's not the only church. But it's one that has a commitment to be what Jesus called us to be through his word. And I want to encourage you to think about taking that step. For some, it may be you've never trusted Christ. You've never given your life to Jesus. It's going to be real hard to understand what is that a church all about when you don't know the founder. The founder of our church is Jesus Christ. It's the one thing we all share in common. We didn't grow up in the same places. We don't speak the same language. We don't drive the same vehicles. We don't vote the same way. All those things apply. But there's one thing that we together will stand for the name of Jesus Christ. He changed us. If you've never met him, if you've never put your faith in him or said, Jesus, I want to follow you, that's our greatest goal. That's our greatest hope for you. And then take the journey with us. And if there's any way that we can help you with that, you, you've heard it, just text. In fact, you can text the word connect to 40777. 
and somebody will respond. Then we have folks out in the uh, lobbies waiting to have a conversation with you about taking those steps. I just want to close today in honor of a letter that was written to a church a long way away from here. It wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. I want to close with my favorite. I used to, in seminary, I used to, when we would finish a book, which I said was rarely, I would ask the students, hey, what's your favorite verse out of here? What's the one verse that just, man, it hit? I'm going to speak mine over you. And I just want you to, it'll be up on the screen where you can read it, but it's the way I want to close the study of 1 Corinthians. Stand with me. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong, I'm a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith to move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So above all, love never fails. Let's be the church that lives the love of Jesus every day. And I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for walking through this journey with us. And on your way out, Kiss them. Oh, no. Just tell somebody thank you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.